They also, at the same time, FCA released a statement saying they'd hired about 500 new people mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, you know, all, all positive, I think, in terms of some of the discussions we've had around, you know, resourcing, stretch, etc. So I think sorting out the relationship between what he does as chair and what the chief executive does will be key. And it's been a it's been a sensitive area for previous chairs and chief execs um and some of them have worked better than others but it's less clear than it would be in a normal corporate hi and welcome to grant thornton's risk and regulation unraveled monthly podcast uh you've got myself david Moy, and my colleague gavin stewart say hello gavin hi there um this is our monthly ramble through regulatory developments and uh news um Obviously, the big news for us is we're going on a holiday in a couple of days. Yeah, just um, this starts raining again. Yes, yes, uh, very possibly true. Um, and of course, uh, any July holiday is actually really just an excuse to take away what we expect to be lots and lots of nice, fresh regulatory reading, um, because this is the uh, period in time when things get published. And uh, that Jack Reacher novel that I've been thinking about reading for months and months has to go on the back burner. Um, so, uh, so what are we what are we thinking? What are we expecting to see? Well, we're recording on a Wednesday, and the I believe the financial services bill is being published today. So that's a that's a bit of a read for us all. Um, we're also expecting the consumer duty final rules uh, during the month of July, um, but not yet. Um, we did get uh, we did get uh, the, the chance for the Exchequer's uh, annual speech to the Mansion House audience. Actually, that was yesterday. Um, quite a quite quite punchy, and I and I guess a preview of of what we should expect to see to some degree, at least within the financial services bill. Um, talk about yeah, in the speech, at least making the UK an open, inclusive, welcoming, competitive, safe, and transparent. That's a lot of different things. Uh, place to do financial services business. Um, and 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 a comment. And they all about, naturally uh, fit together, don't they? Oh, well, they, they absolutely do. I, 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 that's a phrase I will never ever utter again. I suspect. Um, uh, slightly more punchy was the comment about uh, uh, hundreds of pieces of retained European Union law being replaced with a coherent and agile approach to financial regulation that is right for us. Um, so clearly, as as seems to have been sort of gathering momentum with the uh, obviously the, the 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 runoff to determine the next conservative prime minister lots and lots of talk more so maybe than we've had before about um changing the financial services regulatory burden in the uk to benefit from brexit if that's the right turn of phrase what 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 do you, what do you make of it gavin is it, we haven't got the bill yet so we're not going to necessarily well, see how this is set out within it but well, we, we haven't read it yet anyway. Um, I, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of things, isn't there? So I think the first thing is that, that you know, Nadim Zahawi's been Chancellor for, I think, three weeks yesterday. Um, so it, it's quite a new brief and, you know, quite different from education. So I suspect he's on a bit of, bit of, a bit of an upward um, learning curve. Um, the bill, I mean, you, you say about July, I mean, it is it is the cruelest month, if you like. Um, so the FCA doesn't have a August board meeting. So so basically anything that's coming out through the summer um, has to come out pretty much now. Um, there's something about when Parliament rises as well. And so you do tend to get a, um, a, a sort of a bit of a traffic jam of 
of um, various types of publication that, that come out from about the middle of June onwards. Um, last time was quite interesting, actually. I, I, I sort of I read a, I read both the speeches quite carefully, um, and the Chancellor was very directly supportive of the bank and the bank's role and Andrew Bailey personally, which was interesting given some of the comments in the Conservative leadership elections. Yes. Um, yes so, so there was all that, um, uh, and there was a clear commitment to um, work together with the bank to bring inflation down, um, which again I think is is interesting. The the, the thing that seemed to be most um, controversial in the run up, which was meant to be in the bill um, and was actually in all the consultations, was about the you know so going back eighteen months was about the Treasury having a new power to quote unquote call in well, yeah. bits of regulation in exceptional circumstances, quote unquote. Um, and and in the last few days there's been a whole thing about whether this was a invasion of um, regulatory independence. Um, he's actually said he's going to sit on that for a while until September and keep an open mind on it. Um, and I guess that means wait until you know, he, it's clear whether he's going to stay in the job or not, and obviously that depends yeah. on who the new leader is, um, in part. <laughs> yes. So, so, so that that turned out to be a bit of a not a non-event, but 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 not but not the kind of you know the the big headline that that was anticipated, maybe. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. So the the call in, I, in my own mind, I, I keep thinking back to those that that that, that uh, Harry Enfield sketch show where he where he used to dress up as an old man and say you didn't want to do that. Which is uh, which is how I envisaged HM Treasury telling uh, you know, the uh, PLA and FCA um, that they needed to rethink. Um, interesting, yes, that, that I hadn't I hadn't clocked that detail. Um, our, our new leader is due by September the fifth, I believe, isn't it? So mm -hmm. presumably that, um, that timing the Chancellor mentioned is very specific to, to, to finding out who his new boss is and indeed whether he's I suppose he's got a job at that point. Um, yeah. Yes, and obviously there won't be any debate in Parliament before then, um, and you know, so there's there's a lot to play for. Um, I, I mean, I think there was quite a lot last night as well about kind of competitiveness, where um, he was he was saying that he thought putting competitiveness and growth as a secondary objective was striking the right balance between sort of two conflicting poles. Yeah. Um, but he did talk about a kind of an unambiguous hierarchy of objectives, which again, I think is sort of starker, more clear language than is often used around that. So uh, again, that's, that seems far more in line with how the Bank of England PRA would, um, would think of it than perhaps how the FCA would, where they tend to talk about competitiveness quite a lot. Yes, well, it, 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 there is obviously, but it's certainly at certain times I have. I just wonder, you know, is a secondary objective no objective at all? Actually, <laughs> in the, in the real world, um, uh, the um, I mean, obviously signalled that, uh, and I think it's already been in the PLA annual uh, business plan. Actually, that that tweaking around the edges of solvency two was probably a prime area for for starting to quote benefit from Brexit. Um, you know, particularly with a view to, to ex expanding the range of um, asset classes, etc., that that the the you know the pensions sector can uh, invest in. Um, I think, I think 
And I think that takes us into the hundreds of EU regulations where I think there probably are hundreds that we would happily um, ditch, but but it depends which ones um, and and who benefits. And I think that's that that's the territory really. Um, and there's clearly been some political um, exasperation with the bank over the last couple of months um, where, where there's clearly been some briefing in the press against uh, their solvency two approach. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Charles also uh, also talked about um, uh, getting getting inflation under control. I think I don't know whether that is you know before we before he's replaced by the next prime minister. Uh, uh, um, but uh, yeah, obviously he's got a, got a challenge there because I think we we just hit another forty year record uh, in the last week, nine point something or other. Percent. Um, so let's have our, our, our what has become our routine segue uh, on the podcast uh, into the cost of living crisis and, and the regulatory response. Um, what have they been doing? Well, they, they tweeted quite a bit. Um, FCA in particular, I think uh, they they wrote to the FCA wrote to the CEOs of eleven retail banks which serve the small business community. So this was a um, an SME uh, small business focused piece of uh, feedback. Uh, basically, they were. Telling telling those bank CEOs to do a better job, um, yeah, setting repayment plans for small businesses, identifying vulnerability in small businesses, generally having better QA over the outcomes that the, 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 uh, small businesses receive from their businesses, from their banks rather, from their banking activity. Um, so uh, so yes, there was that. Um, what else have we seen? Have we seen anything else significant on the? Um, uh, uh, in terms of actual tangible outputs around cost of living, so uh, yeah, so I think your your distinction between what's tangible and and what is perhaps less so is 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 right, and and I think there's been quite a lot of, um, I'm tempted to say signs and fury, but I think that would be unfair. Um, I, I think there's been a lot more. There's there's been several letters, including to lenders, as you say. There's been much more presence in speeches, and then when the May board meetings of the FCA came out, it became clear that the board had started to get anxious that the cost of living crisis posed some risks, both in terms of the urgency with which um, the FCA had taken action and um, and also what the role of the regulator was. Um, and I think they've been trying to play catch up, if you like, since. The, the, the bit I worry about, I suppose, is that is that actually the follow-up on the ground will be quite hard for them, um, given uh, you given where they are with lots of other work uh, and coordinating that across supervision. I think will be quite a challenge. I mean, just genuinely, it's very difficult. Um, but, but I think more and more it will become um, a sort of imperative as we get into the autumn because inflation isn't going anywhere. Um, that you know the Bank of England in its financial stability report, you know, make clear that it, you know the yeah. biggest driver of it now is is sort of the the kind of the the the, the impact uh, on food and energy prices of the of the kind yeah. of the, the the Russian invasion in Ukraine of Ukraine, yeah. um, and that clearly is is sort of not going to end anytime soon. And all the kind of uh, you know predictions about energy costs going up in October and and through the winter and so on are all quite scary. You know, that's like another thousand pounds or whatever um, yeah, on, on people's bills. So, so yeah. you know, so the cost of living is a really big deal, I think. 
um, and we talk about it a lot, but I think we probably still underestimate its importance. Yes, yes. Well, it's interesting, uh, uh, as you say, the, the FCA board, based on the last seven minutes we've had, is is, is certainly now talking about it a lot. Yeah. Um, I guess it's it's how it feeds through to action. I think they were, you know, they discussed uh, the, the thematic review activity, looking at bank collection practices, etc., which you know could obviously play play into some of the stuff that they that's going on here. Actually, there's just a quick sidebar there. I know, I know you, you wrote in one of blogs that the FCA, uh, well, sort of regulators generally actually are uh, seem to be more active with thematic activity than they have been for a while. Um, yeah, I, I think I think the, yeah, I think the pendulum swung a bit. So there was quite a there was quite a period, um, I suppose the the second half of the last decade where I think the the FCA was far more active doing market studies than it was doing thematic work in supervision. And I think for whatever combination of reasons that that's that's swung back, and it does feel like the supervisors are much more. Um, able to take the initiative and write dear CEO letters and do their own thematic reviews without being worried about sort of changing the kind of market dynamics um, of a given sector. Uh, so, so I think that's, and I think there are more supervisors as well. I think that's one of the things Andrew Bailey put in train uh, when he was chief exec, um, maybe not by a vast number of people, but I think it, it changed it changed the direction. Um, so, so I do think there is more of that, but how it plays out in the FCA, given all its kind of restructuring and so on, and you know, new data focus is is pretty hard to tell because a lot of that isn't very visible as yet. Well, actually, uh, let's let's talk a bit about uh, restructuring. There's um, uh, it's been a big month. We've got a few announcements uh, around the top of the organisation. I suppose the the one to start with is we have a new, or we will have by the end of the year, uh, an FCA chair, um, uh, Ashley Older. Is it just me? Or does that sound like a superhero name? Peter Parker, Clark Kent, Ashley Older. What's that? What's that? What's he, Ashley he will need to be. Um, what's Ashley Older's superpower then, Gavin? Come on, tell tell us about him. Um, well, I can only tell. I mean, uh, you know, the, the the normal the normal route to find these things out. Um, uh, but but it does, you know. So he's SFC in Hong Kong, um, corporate lawyer before that. Uh, seems to spend most of his career in Hong Kong. Um, there, there was a bit of me thought that actually you need to find someone overseas to make the job attractive because actually it's it, it's not very palatable if you know if you really know what you're getting yourself into. Um, so so I hope he's I hope he's got his eyes open. It does appear to be fair. It does appear that he followed Martin Wheatley as chief executive oh, yeah. of the SFC. Um, yes. So yeah, he should have a link there, and he chairs IOSCO. You know he's got lots of. Um, you know, lots of international regulatory credibility, um, but but I think you know that there isn't a conduct regulator on the scale of the um, of the FCA anywhere else outside of perhaps the states. But but you know, it, it is a very particular and very and very kind of difficult you know bunch of nettles to grasp. Yeah, I mean, it, it clearly uh, given the. Um... Because of the international competitiveness angle that we talk about, and also mm -hmm. the the uh, the desire on part of the regulators to to you know conform to good international standards, maybe more than EU standards. Um, uh, his international connections would seem to be his role on Asco in particular would seem to be relevant. Um, I suppose it's uh, uh, he's a he's a wholesale guy, I guess you would say. Yeah. Rather. 
I mean, it's not it's not a surprise. You keep one, but I don't think the FSA or FCA has ever had a chair or a chief executive from a retail background. Um, you know, so it's um, yeah, and they've all been they've all been white males, actually, apart from Nikhil. Um, so you know, so so it's it's in a sense we shouldn't be surprised. Um, uh, and like I say, he's you know he's got lots of lots of good qualifications for the job, but but it is a you know there are a whole load of challenges um, in there um, that the FCA and the FSA before it have sort of you know always known about, but but failed to kind of solve from you know the allegation that that primarily it's a middle class regulator. Um, you know, through to the kind of the the challenges of scope and resource, and so on, and how you kind of how you kind of fit a you know get a quart out of a pint pot, um, uh, to you know to even like an element of groupthink where you know you you sort of manage to convince yourself that actually you're going down the right road and oh, that's only right. have to reverse and and try again another one, and then yeah. come back to it five years later. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. It's very, you know, it's a, it's a big, it's a big set of challenges. It's in a very clearly, yeah. And and so I think I think uh, what I'm saying he's he takes up the role in the new year. Um, I'd say um, yeah, time will tell. But interesting to see see what what what, what mark he, he leaves on the organisation and on the approach. Um, yeah, I, I think interesting. I think the other thing is that he's not. I mean, he's obviously chair of IOSCO, but he comes from being chief executive of another regulator. So I think sorting out the relationship between what he does as chair and what the chief executive does will be key. And it's been a it's been a sensitive area for previous chairs and chief execs, um, and some of them have worked better than others. But it's less clear than it would be in a normal corporate. Yes, yes, yeah, no, yeah, 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 you're right. Yes, see how that 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 relationship develops. Um, uh, I said, so not the only, not the only um, appointment, um, and uh, I probably won't spend too much time on this. But uh, the FCA actually announced a burst of six new directors. Of, yep. um, uh Four in supervision, I think I'm right in Saint, uh, and two in enforcement. Um, I, I guess no, notable for me, it were that uh, two of those roles are entirely new roles, so they 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 created these. Um, one is uh, one is. Uh, a supervisory director um, responsible for the wholesale buy side. So I guess that's an investment management buy side, investment management um, sector. Um, and also a supervisory director of payments and digital assets. Now, if that's not putting a market down for, um, for, for crypto, I don't know. I don't know what is. Um, uh, it, it just an interesting, the individual, Matthew Long, who's been appointed into that payments and digital assets supervisory role is a um, Career uh, law enforcement, um, national crime agency. Most recently, um, individuals. So, so, uh, so that's, that was a um, maybe a, a sense of, of what they uh, the skill set they think they need to to have to get to get a grip. Yeah, I think the key thing for me here is really where the where the new director's authority comes from. So whether it's it takes the weight off the shoulders of some of the weight off the shoulders of those above, or whether it's carved out of the um, limited decision making that um, the more junior people currently have. So, it, you know, is it a kind of leveling up of decision making, if you like? Um, 
uh, and you know, there's been lots of there's lots of history in this space where people appoint um, new new roles or even create new levels of director. So you have you know directors who report to directors and directors who are on exco or not on exco and directors who are executive directors and therefore on the board um, sitting on exco with directors who aren't on the board um, and it all gets very complicated very quickly and then and everyone potentially wants to have their own similar hierarchy if you like ah. so that you can get a, an element of grade inflation in some of this um, right yes yes uh... Yeah, but but some of them, like you say, the digital crypto stuff, you know, there clearly are some new spaces to be carved out. But I think the, the question for me is how much authority those people will really have in that space or whether actually they're, they're a sort of a filter for decisions that will be taken way above them. And then that decision making space will be even more crowded than it currently is. Well, I wonder, I wonder if it's um, I wonder if it's uh, it will result in even more DC, dear CEO letters going out. Actually, it's just something we were we were chatting about offline, weren't we? The um, uh, I think there's another, what was it three or four that came out in the last month? Uh, yes, mainstream consumer credit lenders was one. The lifetime mortgage providers was another. Debt advisory firms was another. So that's three more. So, so these these sub subsector dear CEO letters, um, 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 which which have proven to be quite busy documents I think maybe more so than I've seen in the past they're, they're just the sheer number of the number of uh, you know, focus areas and uh, priorities that are set out within them yeah I mean there's a real there's obviously a real mix I mean I think these used to be predominantly about you know what are the things specific to firms in this sector to this this group of firms that you're writing to and it's become much more in the current um the current outputs it's become much more about here are these things and they all look quite sensible um but on top of it there there are these kind of you know 12 other things you need to be considering at the same yeah. time most of which are sort of fca corporate priorities of one sort or another um and you know it, it there's a sometimes it's good because you're laying it all out and people need to see it all in one place and that's helpful but yeah. there is a bit of a risk that it becomes something of a skip um, for putting in every, you know, everything that that is on your agenda yeah. as a regulator. But actually, some of them are only barely relevant to the firms you're writing to. Um, yes. uh, in which case, I think it potentially becomes quite confusing um, for the supervisors as well as the firms for what it's worth. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I, you know, we're we're obviously not close to to the kind of the what's been going on with those particular sectors, but 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 it, as you say, they're busier letters than than you know you you will typically have seen over the years. Yeah, over, over the I've you know going back a few years, I you know you might see as you say the the three or four very yeah. relevant, very specific priorities, whereas these I mean they were like you know fifteen fifteen priorities, you know. So yeah. I do I do remember quite. quite you know, being involved in quite heavy discussions about, you know, what are the three or four key messages we really want the firms to be taking from this um, and being very being very clear about the wording and in some cases the hierarchy of those. So once mm. you so so having so many things does go against um, what 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 was kind of accepted. Good practice. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, it's an interesting for many years evolution. Uh, I think we're, we're potentially witnessing here. Um, the um, 
just 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 closing off the the recruitment um the revolving door point i was making six six new directors two two of them completely new roles four of them external hires two internal um uh, promotes or, or or people that were covering roles as interim so four externals they also at the same time fca released a uh statement saying they'd hired about 500 new people mm-hmm. as well so uh i mean you know all, all positive i think in terms of some of the discussions we've had around you know resourcing stretch etc that uh, uh obviously that you know 500 new hires they did, but they didn't put in the press release just how many people they might have lost over that time. But uh, but uh, but clearly, you, you would assume most of that's replacement. But yes, well, I think yeah. we, we we don't know. I, and I think you know it. Yeah, it, I think it's good that it's. I'm not surprised. It's an attractive place for people to come and work. I think the, you know, the question is partly how long people stay, and partly whether you know what you get in terms of in terms of culture as a result. So you know they're clearly trying to change the culture, but all the people they're they're come who they've brought in are coming from a whole range of different cultures themselves. So it all becomes potentially a bit of a melting pot. Yeah. Um, because there's nothing settled for people to come into. There's no obvious way for people for for the culture to kind of evolve over time because it's so much in flux anyway. Um, yeah. No, so we'll yeah. see. Yeah, no, you are. I mean, if it's if it's if it's five hundred out, five hundred in, then you know, since that's a that's a big old net uh, changing um, personnel, and then therefore uh, culture is harder to pin down potentially. Um, yeah, it's uh, interesting times. Um, we mentioned the dear CEO letters actually, just some of the, the recent examples there. Uh, one of the uh, publication that came out this this last month on the FCA that I was quite excited about when I saw I saw it pop up in my Twitter feed, but it was it was an update on the data strategy. So this is this has been much trial trailed, I should say, going back to the FCA business plan and before that a data strategy would be published to really put some flesh on the bones about how how uh, the FCA will um, change the way it operates and 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 be more effective uh, in supervising firms through the use of data. Um, it, it turned out it's not the data strategy it's an update on the data strategy um so probably i think it's fair to say it doesn't go as, as far as either you or i would have liked it to in terms of being able to really communicate what's going to be different for 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 firms as a result of result of this a lot of it i think was quite internally focused in terms of you know, how the fca uh, you know employing data science scientists and um building a data lake and single a single view of single view of each firm uh, you know th- th- those kind of those kind of things which seem you know quite important and necessary but don't necessarily give a strong sense i didn't think at least about how that would change things for the industry i don't know whether that, whether you you pulled anything else out of that yeah I, I mean i feel i feel a bit bad because i feel like i'm being more downbeat this month than i was hoping to be um they're about to spoil your holiday by publishing the consumer duty final <laughs> just, just to get, just get, getting out of the door so that's um, <laughs> yes, um, but I do think I do, I do think the data strategy is a bit of a missed opportunity, partly because it wasn't new. It's an update on the 2021, and if you if you try and track the wording through, for even from the 2020 original strategy, it's quite confusing to me anyway. Um, and you know, I was expecting it to be a, a much you know 
to be something that it, it wasn't, um, I guess. So so I ended up being a bit disappointed, to be honest. Let's uh, let's let's just run through quick fast style some of the other things that that, that have um, happened in the last month by way of uh, publications and the like. Um, we had an updated. Well, it's, in, it's consultation, but it's, it's intended to update the, the guidance that the FCA previously produced on um, branch closures. So this is the banks looking to reduce their branch footprint. I, it doesn't, doesn't not, not material change. The, I think the, the, the biggest thing it changes is that it um, it uh, singles out what uh, the FCA seems to feel the banks have called partial closures, um, which have uh, kind of fallen outside of the original guidance, even though it might involve, you know, cutting back services and hours and you know quite considerably um in a pretty permanent basis so it's basically pulled in you know the the, the, the this concept of partial closures into the guidance so yeah there's some new powers in the bill um for the fca around that so it's probably something we could cover in a bit more depth next time because i think it's really interesting and it obviously feeds into the cost of living stuff and the whole financial inclusion area that we've talked about okay. before in the bill, as in as in the financial services. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, that's uh, yeah. Well, I say that's going to be the other holiday reading we're going to have, isn't it? Um, uh, we had a final rules on uh, the uh, allowance now for investment funds, usage investment funds to create side pockets where they can park um, sort of Russian assets that have obviously been frozen or, or you know extremely liquid at, at this point in time and basically, basically park them in a side pocket and uh, and allow the, the, the fund itself to continue to operate um uh you know not be suspended essentially yeah i think that's just a good bit of market regulation yeah really yeah yeah and then it happened it happened very fast in fact uh the the, the it's already enforced so i think you know it's basically it came into force the pretty much the day the policy statement was issued so uh, yeah, that was, a, I, I think, a, a good example of a pretty responsive but focused um, bit of regulation. Um, we had the uh, the final rules uh, policy statements on fees and levies. I mean, we talk about fees generally when we talk about the FCA budget, don't we, in the business plan. I don't know if you've got anything, anything to say on the... No, I mean, it's, I think, from memory, it goes up between about 7.5%, um, which is clearly a lot, but but arguably not enough for all the things that they are planning to do, um, plus the cost of doing stuff on top. So, you know, I, I think it's it, it'll be hard for the firms who who bear the burden of the increase. But but I think um, it, it, it it's not an it's not by any means a lot of um, a lot of resource for the FCA. Yeah, actually, maybe you think maybe the FCA will start marketing its 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 fees as you know. You know, it's less than your electricity bill or something like that. I don't know if that will job. <laughs> Um, uh, we, we also got a policy statement on um, this is quite focused piece as well, but and, and goes into the sort of startlingly obvious but but necessary piece of regulation in the FCA, um, putting rules in place to stop uh, FISMA firms that have basically created a huge redress <laughs> redress issue for the customers uh, going bust, and then essentially those individuals phoenixing into a claims management company, which <laughs> so. Which is uh, obviously that has happened once or twice by all accounts, and and so these are rules in place basically to 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 make that uh, well, it should be impossible, um, uh, and it's hard to argue with that as a as, as a sensible as a sensible uh, bit of rulemaking. Um, there is uh, I, one. There is something to watch actually just outside of um, the, the the direct publications. Um, 
for the future. I see the Treasury Select Committee has launched an inquiry into um, crypto regulation, um, which yes. will take a while. But uh, but I think it, I think it's probably quite a big deal because, as you know, I mean, I think we agree on this. We're we're a bit behind the curve um, compared to yeah. other major jurisdictions. Nicol Varty, when he's off in the states, wasn't he? But he gave a, gave a speech where yeah. where you know crypto. Uh, was quite strong. I mean, it just looks a bit to me like the, you know, the, the I mean, to be in crude characterization, the the Bank of England PR, the Bank of England PRA is more concerned about the risks. The FCA is predominantly concerned about the opportunities, um, and the Treasury is is quite schizophrenic about it. And I I don't think you know John Glenn's resignation and whatever happens is none of this is going to be speeded up, if you like, by the change of Prime Minister and government and so on. So uh, it, I think it is a bit of an issue because because there are, you know, that market is moving very fast and it just doesn't feel to me like the UK has a has a proper grip on it or plans to no. get there. It, it's, uh, well, you've been adding stuff, isn't it? Obviously, uh, the, the US has already made some moves by way of executive yeah. order. Yeah, he, he's quite possible therefore we'll end we'll end up be a, a rule taker i guess in 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 sense yeah. in, if we just end up following what others have done yeah um, and he already has a draft regulatory framework for example yeah, yeah. micah yeah, which uh, you know well um last last two last two items i'd pick out from the publication uh from the pre-holiday publication which was uh um there's, a, there's been a redefinition of an insurance holding company under solvency too no that's that's, that's not really but uh, yeah I, w- I won't focus on that because that's really really dull not as dull though as the very last item i saw which is which is that the uh the the frns the firm reference numbers that we've known and loved for years and had six to six digits well they're going to start issuing seven digit can you believe this gavin seven digit frns uh, moving forward, so no, no, no one's going to change their existing FON is is the way it's pitched. But you will start to see seven-digit FONs. I, I, I may struggle to 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 to, to memorise any of those. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's that. That was, uh, you know, deeply profound. I think is the phrase you're looking <laughs> for. <laughs> well, maybe it's maybe, maybe it's uh, maybe it's the regulator's way of saying we're going to be such an attractive and competitive hub for financial services that. We're going to need seven digits in the FON to keep like London it. phone numbers. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, only people of a certain age will remember how they used to be, and uh, unfortunately, that's you and I both. Right. We are coming to the end of this. We are going to be rushing off on on, on our holidays. We'll be back uh, next month. Um, hey, there's a rumor going around, Gavin, that Grant Thorne in his wisdom are, are potentially going to convert this podcast into, I think, a, a vodcast. So you, you, they get a video camera in there. So I'm that'd just be great. I can hardly if, wait. If you're if you're thinking about tan lines and that kind of thing, while you're sunbathing on holiday, you might want to bear that in mind. Okay, I certainly will. Um, on that unsavoury, <laughs> unsavoury note, um, have a great time, Gavin, um, and everyone listening to this podcast. Uh, hopefully, uh, you will continue to be able to access it on uh, Spotify and Apple and Google Podcasts and all the usual all the usual places. Um, uh, have a great holiday for those that have managed to get a passport out of the passport office and um, are going to be going abroad. I will uh, I will be back in a month. Uh, Gavin will be with me, I hope. And uh, yeah, we look forward to speaking to you then.